Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gail Morgan welcoming you to the Libertarian Counterpoints Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. You've heard their point, now listen to the counterpoint. Welcome to the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. Uh, we are about uh, eight months or so into uh, a Biden administration that's putting on a clinic for us of how not to run a country. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but as, as we go forward, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, one day at a time. But before we get into the show, let me uh, introduce you to our panel. Uh, in our upper left-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwaite, last word in Liberty. Uh, he is a retired engineer in the state of California. And we have a special guest today, Larry Sharp of the Sharp Way. Uh, and he is also uh, has run for political offices uh, for the Libertarian Party, for governor of the state of New York. And I believe, too, as a was it for vice presidential candidate, Larry? I, I can't remember. Only governor. It's not time I ran. OK, only governor. OK, super. Uh, let's jump right into the show. So, Larry Sharp, uh, can you tell us uh, and our listeners a little bit about you? Um, it's probably pretty boring. So if you really care, you can just Google Larry Sharp. It's much easier. I'm all over the place. If you want to head over to my website, LarrySharp.com, gives you more info on policy and things of that sort. My run for governor in 2018. If you care about the cool stuff that I do, and I do cool stuff, go to SharpWay.com. That's my show. Um, I ran for governor in 2018 because I did not want to leave my state of New York. Leon being a Californian, you know what I mean, yes. right? You're stuck in a police state, but you're you're here and you don't want to leave. So sadly, in New York State, about two million of us have left in the past uh, 11 years so bad that we've lost a congressperson already. Oh, so wow. and okay. California, too, as same problem, yes. lost lost the congressperson yes. because so many people are leaving our state. But all we hear from our politicians are see how awesome we are. We're doing so great. Look how we're making life better for everybody as they run in terror. So I'm not sure it's actually working. There is literally zero evidence that any of the policies in the past 10 years have done anything good for New York State. But, that, you know, that doesn't stop them from saying it. It's just, you know, facts and stuff. Well, Those Larry, aren't critical. You know, I, I liken it a little bit to the old Kurt Russell movies, Escape from New York and then Escape from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Russell is a libertarian. I'm just saying. Snake Plissken's a libertarian. That's true. Absolutely. That's true. Absolutely. So maybe it is. But I think people are leaving. And what made me realize more that there are many reasons why I'm, why I'm libertarian and many reasons why I ran for office. But if I get down to it and, and it's going to sound kind of like big picture, but it is. I can't see any other movement that is going to help heal our country. The Democrats, Republicans just yell at each other. That's all they do. Every Democrat's mm. campaign is Republican evil. Every Republican's campaign is Democrat evil, and none of them actually have any policies or ideas to make anything better. They don't have to. We've made it to where they don't have to. We just we vote we vote against the other guy because we're scared and fear rules the the, the ballot box, and that's how it's been working for many decades. But the libertarian movement is the only one that says, "You do you. You can be as liberal as you want to be, as conservative as you want to be." Just stop forcing your views on others. Stop making zero-sum game, you know, policies. Stop making winner-take-all elections. When it's winner-take-all and whoever wins imposes their will upon the other, of course you fight to the death. Of course you do. But imagine if someone got in charge and all they said was, hey, stop bugging other people. You want to live the way you want to live? Go ahead. And again, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, Leon's going to get this completely. 
California is like New York, a very diverse state. Yeah, sure. The cities are blue. The rural areas and suburbs are red or purple. And, you know, it changes left and right. There are a lot of conservatives and a lot of liberals and hardcore conservatives and hardcore liberals all in the same state. How can you possibly get along if only one side wins? You can't. So you have to have an environment where let's leave the farmers alone and let's leave the city folk alone and let's let them be who they want to be. And I think that's the critical aspect. But but Larry, don't you, don't you think? Though, I mean, I I I get your point, and I, I like I like what you're saying. But don't you think all of this, um, where where we are almost at each other's throat, yep, really, really comes from the government interfering with our lives and trying to pick winners and losers, and trying to make some of us work so they could support their constituents. I mean, they may call it all kind of nice, fancy words, you know, whether it's you know, an assistance program or this or that, but they're always out there trying to pick winners and losers and thus causing us to be at each other's, each other's throat. Don't you think of course. Yeah. That's why there's always an enemy. There's oh, the, the war, as 1984, the war is not meant to be won. It's meant to be perpetual, right? Perpetual war is the answer. And yeah. if we can't find an outside enemy, we'll find an inside enemy. Think about this. If you're on the right, when you use the word liberal, that's not a descriptor. That's an insult. Yeah. If you're on the left and use the word conservative, that's not a descriptor. That's an insult. So, yes, you're totally correct. We create the other enemy. I can't let you liberals win. I can't let you conservatives win. But here's the problem. We're not like, I don't know, Russian liberals or German conservatives. We're all Americans. Yeah. In fact, it's our family. Yes. It's people we know who are friends who are liberals when we're conservatives, conservatives when we're liberals. So it's not like, what, are you going to kill them all? Put them on an island? You can't. Yeah. We've got to live together, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I've always say that America, the idea of America being a melting pot is actually not a good descriptor. It's not good. America, a better descriptor is a quilt, right? We're a quilt with different patchworks of people, patchworks of a rare, we're, we're a quilt. But together, this one big quilt Oh my God, it's beautiful blanket that keeps everybody warm. Yeah. So let's not try to be a melting pot because we're not the same. Let's be a quilt. You know, people talk about diversity all the time. I'm in. Let's be diverse. Let's let's stop having one, one, you know, one size fits all policies from some capital someplace and let people be people. Localization is better, individualism is better. But be clear. It doesn't mean I don't want people to get together and be social. I do. I don't have a problem with collectivism as long as it's voluntary collectivism. I don't mind at all. Sure. Lots of people act in a way that would feel like it's socialist, all right? But we do it voluntarily. We give money to our civic groups or our churches or whatever. We choose to allow some organization to be socialist or collectivist in our name. As long as it's voluntary, I don't mind. Our families are very often collective. But again, we choose, right? So yes. as long as it's voluntary, all good. I don't mind at all. Well, isn't that though the the inevitable problem too? That uh, as you mentioned before, this winner take all. Isn't that just inevitable to big government? I mean, if you're going to have government, therefore everybody has to be on the same page, and therefore you're voting for a package every time you go to the polls. And if it's not your package, it's their package, and you're stuck with it. You know, whatever. The only it is. way of breaking what you just said is real multi parties. In reality, what we've created is similar to the, we've created a system that's similar to the cable uh, companies, 
which is not monopoly, but cartel system. So we know that, which basically means local monopolies. So in my area, all I get is Spectrum and all you get is Comcast. So it's not really a monopoly because there's more companies, but they've agreed not to compete with each other in certain areas. So it's a cartel system, local monopolies, not, not one large monopoly, local monopolies run by as an oligarchy. That's what we have with Democrats, Republicans. You go to New York, the Democrats run the state, Republicans keep their small fiefdoms here or there to stay alive, and that's it. You go to Oklahoma, the opposite's true. The Republicans sure. control the state, Democrats get their small little areas here or there, and they all agree. They gerrymander to make sure our guys win this, your guys win that, and it becomes a cartel system. The only way to break that up, which we saw actually in the case of the cable system, was satellite came in. And now yes. Netflix and Hulu. So you bring yeah. something in and the cartel system begins to crack. We, as libertarians, are that Netflix, Hulu, whatever the case may be, to break up the cartel system. And they don't want that. If you remember, think about how hard Comcast and Spectrum fought to hold on to their cartels. And well, Democrats and Republicans are doing the same thing. If you break it up, you get more choice, more things, more positiveness. And now what do you find in the cable companies? They're actually trying to be like the other ones. They have, oh, you can get our cable on your phone and you can do, before they didn't do that, before you asked your cable company for something, they said, shut up, we'll see you when we see you, stop complaining, we're a monopoly. Now they're like, oh, let's give you a bundle package with this and we'll help you with that. It's not because they love us, it's because that's what the competition's doing. Well, if we can be better, here's the thing most we don't get. If you're a Democrat or Republican watching, you might go, Larry, I'm not a libertarian. I don't care about this stuff. No worries. Would you like to have better Republicans and better Democrats? Well, let us be a real party. Let our movement move forward. And you'll get better Republicans and better Democrats because they'll have to be or they'll keep losing elections. But more importantly, in the current environment right now, there is no way for a Democrat to cross over to the aisle and talk to a Republican or the reverse. If they do, they lose their seat. They are evil. They are the traitors. But if we have libertarians in, just a few, we become the peacemakers and brokers. That we can do, right? Imagine, people say, well, you libertarians, you'll never own the Senate. We don't have to. Imagine if it's 2024, 2026, and there's just three libertarian senators out of 50. We would literally run the Senate with a swing vote. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Just three. We, we run the Senate. We are the swing vote. And that could be true at many local state and city councils also, right? City yeah. council with five people, one libertarian. Swing vote, right? Uh, state with 50 or so, three, four libertarians. Swing vote. So either way, this could happen. So we don't have to have 51%. We just need enough chunk to move people towards us. Well, you know, even, even more important, too, than the, the power of those votes is the pulpit to speak from of our ideas yes. on those. So yes. I, I think that's that's a big area. I mean, if we could just get our guys on the debate stage, I mean, my gosh. <laughs> well, let, let me touch debate stage plus what you meant, the pulpit. First, the pulpit. To get that area, whether we like it or not, the current culture does not care about anything except two things, being popular or winning. That's it. It doesn't matter if your ideas are good or you're smart or you're good looking. That stuff means nothing. Either win an election, which tells people, oh, you must be valid because you won our game, right? Or two, be popular. Oh, lots of people watch you. Therefore, by default, you're valid. Now, both of those don't mean I'm smart or valid at all. It's irrelevant. So the sad part is the criteria to be heard 
has nothing to do with being worthy of being heard, right? However, that's the world we live in. So we have to become more popular. That's how we get in debate stages. And then we have to win elections. That's how we get in the news, right? Doing that, being popular is what you do. Now, they're hand in hand. You might say, Larry, we got to speak this way or speak that way. Yes, yes, and yes. And we have to be more popular. In today's world, popularity is more important than anything. Kim Kardashian has done more for criminal justice reform than Trump or Obama or for sure Biden. <laughs> All of them. Why? Because she's popular. And that's and she is she the savviest person in the world? I mean, I don't know her personally, but I'm sure she's not, right? So, but mm. she definitely is popular and people listen. And when she goes to Trump and says, Can I come to the White House? He goes, Kim Kardashian? Yeah. Because yeah. popular, right? Joe Rogan, mm. one of the most popular podcasts in the world. Because he's the smartest guy in the world? No, he'll tell you that. It isn't because of that. He's popular. People listen to him. He matters. So we have to, as libertarians in the movement and as candidates, try to become more popular. You know, you know, Larry, that you know that raises some uh raises to me at least some really um interesting questions. Um, well, let me then go to the debate stage. Yes. We have been trying to sue our way to the debate stage forever. Useless, never gonna work. Uh, never gonna work, doesn't matter, irrelevant, it means nothing, nobody cares. Here's what I they're just gonna change the rules again. It doesn't matter. I know I won ballot access in my state and they changed the rules. It doesn't matter. They're gonna change it's irrelevant. What matters is being popular. And let me give you an example. Remember Kanye West was supposed to run for president and kind of did? Yes. Could you imagine if he had actually done, and he did not, but imagine if he actually had a campaign, like he had put time and money and put the team out and gotten off of these states. I guarantee you he would have been in debates, 100%. Because debates are about one thing. People don't get this. Ad revenue. That's what debates are about. They're not about giving people choice or hearing. Nobody cares about that stuff. That's a fantasy. The media doesn't care about that. That's also a fantasy. They yeah. care about ad revenue. They make tons of money in debates. Tons. Of, they make tons of money. Now, let me ask you. I, I wouldn't have voted for Kanye West. I don't think either of you would have either. However, yeah. would you yeah. have watched his debate? Without a doubt. Without <laughs> yes, a doubt. you would have. Absolutely. Yeah. We all would have watched the debate. Yeah. Of course yeah. we would have. And that's yeah. my point. We all would have watched his debate. And they know it. So if he would have said, I'm going to be in debates, they'd been like, yes, you are in the debates. Now, here's the problem. Let's say instead Gary Johnson or Joe Jorgensen wants to get in debates. So let's say in the case of 2016, Gary Johnson, he was the closest. Let's say he got in debates. Here's what I know would have happened. Trump would have said, I'm not showing up. And if Trump doesn't show up, then Hillary's not going to show up. There's no debate. Debate sure. gets canceled, right? Sure. So what would happen? The, the CNN and, and Fox is not going to say, I'm not going to lose that money. They would have had a town hall with Hillary and Trump. So they would right. have done in 2016 or sure. in 2020 with Trump and Biden. We're doing a town hall. They wouldn't do the official debates. How do I know that? That literally happened to me in, in 2018. I actually made the debate stage and Cuomo didn't show up. So no one watched it. And they had a special town hall on TV with the Republican and Democrat. That literally happened to me. Right. So now, but let's change it though. Now it's not Gary Johnson or Joe Jorgensen. Now it's Kanye West. Kanye West is coming. Um, Biden said, um, whatever Trump says, I'm not showing up. Does Biden show up? Hell yeah, because he knows he has to be seen with Kanye West. So the debate mm. actually goes. If the debate actually goes, is Trump going to sit that out? No way. He shows no. up. Right? Does that make sense? So the point is, sense. if you're popular, you get in the debate. It doesn't matter what criteria you make. That that's not. That's just fantasy stuff. That's just stuff they make up to sound like they care. The reality yeah. is, just ad revenue. If the ad revenue is there. You're in the debates. 
You know that Larry though that Bro. almost like a chicken and egg thing though because yes. it seems like we're sitting here trying to understand how to make the the you know policies that will maximize liberty and make the world a better place whereas somebody else is just out there getting popular <laughs> and we've got to figure <laughs> out a way to convince that guy who got popular <laughs> they get yes ideas yes why do you think i made money that's why i made larrysharp.com i made yeah. larrysharp.com as a policy library yeah. that's what it is it's a policy yeah. library you right. can just go there and steal my policies and by the way please steal my policies <laughs> so yes just take them take my policies right that's why I make them. That's why I do my show. So people can hear my take on things. People can hear my policies. If you're listening, please steal my policies. When I was on Joe Rogan, at the end of Joe Rogan, he liked my policies. And he says, you know, Larry, you got to, who made these policies? I said, well, me and my team. He said, you should lock these policies down. I said, why? He said, people take them. I said, please, I don't have to run again. Please take all of them. <laughs> fix the country. Fix my state. I'll go back to work. I don't want to do this. I'm trying to make things better. I hope you take all my stuff. So I think you're totally right, Jason. We, we need to have somebody who's popular, but it can't just be popular, right? Yeah. That's that's the hard part. We're trying to find that that perfect mix. You yeah. want someone who's popular, but you also want someone who's libertarian. And that's yeah. challenging to find both of them and who wants to run at the time. Damn. You know, yeah. we, you were teasing me earlier about, you know, Kurt Russell and Escape from New York. I wish Kurt Russell would run. Yeah. He's popular and libertarian. And yeah. I would have, Kurt, if you're listening, take all my policies. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be your communications chief. If you're listening, I'll be your communications chief. Say you're running. I'm in. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm your communications chief. I'll take all the slings and arrows. I'll take them all. They're going to yell at me. Happy to do it. So Aaron, that's, Aaron, that's, that's Larry, our goal. I'm sorry, Jason. Oh, I, I, well, I just wanted to, I didn't want to get too far in without us just finding out a little bit about how Larry came to where he's gotten to with these ideas. I mean, what was it that inspired you to, to come in this direction? I mean, because this is one of the things we clearly know that people aren't being taught these ideas of liberty at the public schools. So, you know, it's for all of us, it's kind of a weird journey of how we got here. What was your journey to, there? Well, let me go down two roads. The first one is I didn't come here through the traditional route. I actually came here through business and a guy named Robert Ringer. Um, I was unhappy with politics for years. I was a guy who was like, Nader's gonna save us. Ross Perot will save us. I was that guy, right? And I couldn't have told you a Nader or Ross Perot policy. I just knew they weren't the other two. In fact, I was so ignorant to politics, I thought that Nader replaced Perot as the alternate candidate. I didn't know they were different parties even. I had no idea. I just thought, oh, Right. Perot's the third party guy. Now Nader is. Yes. This time he'll do it. Right. I was still that guy. So by the time 2012 came, I was very disenchanted. I was like, I don't know if I want to vote anymore. I just thought it doesn't matter what I do. The third parties never, never win. It's it's a it's a way. I thought Obama was going to change things. He's different. Come on. Obama's different. Yeah. Within two years, I figured, OK, that nothing. That's OK. He's he's Bush Jr. I totally screwed that one up. So, I mean, I had no idea. I was voting for the outsider every single time, hoping that people would get it and it would change. It never worked. So I was kind of giving up. At the same time, I started my business in consulting in 2004. And one of the people who I was uh, uh, using to help me consult books I've read, blogs I've read, was a guy named Robert Ringer. Robert Ringer is actually a business consultant, coach type guy. And he's an objectivist. He likes Ayn Rand, big Ayn Rander. I am not an objectivist. However, that was the first intro into that concept that I'd ever heard. So he's like, you know, you got to read, you know, um, Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. So I read some Ayn Rand, 
made me think, okay, I got it. But I, I never got on board with objectivism. It wasn't my thing. Mm. But I was kind of there. At the same time, in my business life, I was teaching what's called post-industrial leadership. And who calls it that? I do. That's why it's called that. So what that means is it's leadership that's not management. It's leadership meaning that it's basically volunteerism. If I want people to do the right thing, by the way, I talked about it on my podcast uh, last night. If you want to head that podcast, it's up on Facebook. Uh, it's also on YouTube. It's a it's a leadership. So you can go there if you want to my my, my um, YouTube pages, uh, the Sharpway YouTube page and Larry YouTube page to watch. That's a free class. It's about an hour and a half long on leadership. And I talk about the ideas of influence and leadership and how people have to want to do it. I get the best out of my people when they are at their buy-in and they agree and they want to do it. Not when I use the carrot or the stick, but when people agree. That's basically volunteerism. So you combine volunteerism with objectivism. And in my view, that kind of was libertarianism, but I didn't know that. 2012, I heard Gary Johnson speak. And I said, huh, these guys seem smart. Who are these guys? Librarians? They're pretty smart. I like these librarians. Then it was like, oh, libertarian. Oh, I thought they were librarians. I'm sorry. It's good. Okay, I'll take libertarian. Whatever, whatever. So I, I thought they were like librarians. But anyway, it's fine. So Gary Johnson brought me in, right? And at that point, I was like, I'm on board. I supported Gary Johnson in 2012, voted for him, supported for him, all good. Then in 2014, I supported our gubernatorial candidate at the time, Michael McDermott. He has since passed away. But he was uh, our um, our uh, gubernatorial candidate then. I supported him, driving him around, helping him with debate prep, donating to him, all that kind of good stuff. In 2016, Gary Johnson ran again. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be his VP. So I tried to become his VP. I lost to Bill Weld by 31 votes. I'm not. Why are you saying 31 votes? I didn't say that. Stop counting. Leon, you're counting. I'm not counting. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about that. I don't care, Jason, 31 votes. I don't care. Anyway, uh, so I lost by 31 votes. Not that I'm counting. I don't care. Uh, anyways. You're not recall, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I still am, damn it. Yeah. Because I want to recall. I still want it. So, yeah. yes. Um, you didn't actually recall. I want to recount. Like now, come on, man. You're going to so, take it to court. You're going to take it to the court, man. Come on. Ready to ready to that's it. So anyway, I'm call I'm calling I'm calling some people from Arizona to come over. Anyway, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My my point is I didn't get that, so I decided to run in 2018. And I think the combination of me realizing that this was the way to do things, it was leadership for the future, it was the wave of the future, is kind of what got me in. I actually joined the party in 2012 locally, and then eventually I I joined the party nationally by 2014. And now I'm active in the party, and here I am. So Larry, what I mean, you you have made some some stabs at at trying to hold executive positions. Uh, you ran you ran for governor of New York at one time, I, I believe you did, right? Yep. Okay. I may do it again next year. I'm I'm still considering it. I might. Well, that that'll be great. But the, the question the question then becomes so is what 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 are the say the top three things that if if you were to win, what would be the top three things that you would do as being as being the executive the executive of a of a major state? What are the top three things you say you will attack in terms of trying to, to change the direction or the course of the of that ti Titanic that is floating out there, heading into that big iceberg? What is going to direct the ship away from the iceberg? Let me give you a, a, a couple concepts and then actual policies, right? Concept, then policy. Concept number one, we have to make it easier for small businesses to grow and thrive in my state. They don't. So that's a concept. Now let me give you an actual policy. I'll give you two of them. There are many, to be clear, there are many, I could be, I could be here literally for two hours on my policies. I'm gonna give you only two out of the many. 
one of them. That is to treat all small farmers like small businesses. So to allow them to act like, but get business loans, get investors. Most farmers in my state don't get that. So they wind up having to put their farm up for sale or, or as collateral. And that means then, you know, now instead of going under now, six years later, they go under. I want that to be number one. I also want them to be able to be able to work within their own farm to create things like, as again, as a small business would, um, infrastructure, um, distribution sites, um, retail sites, hotel sites. It is horribly hard to do so right now in my state, right? That's one piece. But I go one step further with that. All small businesses and small farmers should follow the Wyoming model. And that is if you do business only in New York state, you agree to, you are immune from all federal regulatory bodies. As long as you are transparent and you put on everything, we do not follow federal guidelines, only state. That gives you an advantage against the Goliaths who always go cross state and must follow all federal guidelines. So it gives a smaller guy a chance at moving forward. Does that make sense so far? So, so uh, in, in, in that policy, in that policy, they will not be able to ship to ship, say, any products across state lines. You would. I that's mean, correct. To qualify. Okay. Correct. Okay. So what you could do, though, again, if you treat the farm like a small business, you would take the farm and you'd have a separate LLC that would be the the intra state rules, right? Interstate rules, right? Inter yeah. in interstate rules where you could actually go across states. So you'd have a separate LLC that would have to follow all of the federal guidelines. You could ship across from that LLC, but from your actual part within your fat within your farm, you you don't have to. That's how businesses work. Farms don't work that way. Is they should. So you could have a separate LLC that is your arm that goes outside the state. And you could then set that arm up to fight effectively against the big boys or decide, you know what? I can't fight against them. I don't want to. I want to be local. I'll just stay local and I'll keep working to keep my town happy. Up to you, your choice, right? That's how that policy would work. Second policy, take all, all licensing in New York state. That is not critical. And my general rule is, would you ask your friend to do it? I'm not joking. Would you ask your friend to walk your dog? Sure. Why is there a license? And there is in New York state. Would you ask your friend to uh, braid your hair? Of course you would. There shouldn't be a license. We have that in New York state, right? Would you ask your friend to remove your gallbladder? I hope not. Get a license, right? No worries, <laughs> right? Get a license. No worries. So all non those types of licenses turn immediately into credentialing. What that means is if you want to get a government credential, you may follow the government rules, you get your credential, but you can still work without it. Again, as long as you are transparent. So there will be barbershops that are uncredentialed. Do you trust the barbershop? Go in. You don't only get the ones that are credentialed. That's it. So that's credentialed versus licensing. Again, there are many of these policies. Those are just two. The second piece is we have to find ways of raising money in my state without taxation. Our taxation is insanely high, but we still have to pay for goods and service people, particularly to move people into community uh, groups versus government groups. You can't do that overnight and takes money to do that. So most just go fines and fees or taxes. I'll give you two ideas on those two. Number one, leasing naming rights to bridges. Am I running out of time? I couldn't help uh, looking at my clock here, much like the Biden administration. We may be running out of time. <laughs> so I, I could be here forever. I'll, do a lot, I'll just suggest this one. And that is, I, there are many more again. This is just one. Leasing out naming rights to infrastructure not privatizing them. The state owns the bridge, but you lease the naming rights like we do for football stadiums. And right. you charge for all of that. That raises money, takes away tolls, which get paid by usually by the middle class and working poor, and raises money without taxation. 
So, so those two pieces I bring up, making small businesses easier and raising money the taxation, each of those require at least five or six different policies. I don't want to bore your audience. Well, well, thanks so much, Larry. And we've about reached the end of the time for uh, this episode yep. of the show. Uh, but thank you for being a guest on our show. Um, we uh, hope to see more of you in the future. Thanks so much. And All righty. I, uh, we'll see you at the next one. Listen each week in Sacramento on Comcast Channel 17 for Knuckleheads of Liberty on Monday at 5.30 p.m. and the Libertarian Counterpoint Show on Thursday at 8 p.m.